Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God puts a call on our lives. He gives us things to do, and we need to recognize that it's from Him. It's not me as a pastor who gives you a task. It's not some other leader who gives you a task. It's the Lord. He gives us these things to do as we say, Lord, I'm yours. I want to follow you. I want to be your servant. And so since it's from the Lord, I need to fulfill it, meaning I need to be faithful to it. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Colossians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18, in a message titled, Together for the Gospel. Now, here's Pastor Brian. You know, it's, it's not about human recognition. It's not about fame. It's not about serving in such a way that you gain all of this notoriety and so forth. I mean, sometimes in our world of the church, we can kind of get caught up in that kind of a thing where, you know, we, we want to be well-known and we want to have a name and we want people to, to know what we do. And that's a trap. It's a trap that we all need to be aware of and we need to be on guard against and we need to really watch out for. The important thing is that we're known by the Lord. That's the important thing. And, you know, there are many Christians, many, many Christians who will labor, faithfully serve God their entire lives and will never have any earthly recognition whatsoever. Now, Jesus, who is called Justice, I mean, he got a little bit of recognition. His name's in the Bible. The problem is we just don't know who he was. But there are people, you know, here in the the United States, of course, we have in the church, we have celebrity churches, we have celebrity pastors, people whose names are well known, people who have, you know, tons of followers on social media, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, that, that's just part of our, our culture here. But you know, in India, or in Africa, or in some place down maybe in South America, or just some, some obscure place in Siberia, there are people who are faithfully serving Christ, have served Christ, who never were known outside of the small circle that they ministered, but they were known by the Lord. And one day, the things that they did will be known by all when the Lord reveals that to everybody. So just a word of encouragement. If, if you're unknown, if you feel like you're unappreciated, nobody really even knows that you exist, even though you've been faithfully doing that thing at the church for a long time, don't worry about it. It's okay because the Lord knows and the Lord sees. So Paul then, he goes on and he says this though about these three people, Aristarchus, Mark, and Jesus who is called Justice. He says, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. So Aristarchus, Mark, and Jesus called Justice, Paul, what's Paul saying? They're Jews, they're fellow Jews. And so he's got this small band of brothers in this case who are Jewish and there's a special comfort that they bring to Paul. I think it was just that connection, that nationality 
that connection that they had there. Now, of course, there were many other Jews who were in Paul's life. Barnabas was a Jew. Apollos was a Jew. Aquila, Priscilla, they were Jews. But Paul's talking about in this moment, at this period in time, these three are the only Jewish believers who are there ministering with Paul. And now we come to Epaphras. So Epaphras, he is mentioned three times and he's from Colossae. Look at what Paul says. Epaphras, who is one of you. So speaking of the Colossians, he's one of you. He's a bondservant. In other words, he's a doulos. He's, he's one of those people who has gladly given up his rights to serve another. And he greets you. And then listen to what Paul says about him. He says, laboring fervently for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. So this man, Epaphras, he is also a fellow prisoner. And we'll come back to that again, as I said later. But notice what Paul says about him. He says that he labors fervently for you in prayer, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. So Epaphras is a Colossian. He's, like we said earlier, he's probably the one who was responsible for the existence of the church in Colossae. But he's with Paul. He's a fellow prisoner with Paul. Remember, Paul is writing this letter from prison. And Epaphras, his heart is for the people, for the people in Colossae. So he can't minister to them because he's restricted because of imprisonment. But what does he do? He prays for them. He labors fervently for them in prayer. And we've talked about this. We talked about this in our previous study, but it just seems to keep coming up again and again. And for good reason, we need to remember the power of prayer. You know, we need to remember that what is humanly impossible is possible with God. We need to remember that when we have little strength to affect any change, that God is not limited. And we have this amazing access to him. And so for, I love this too, for the church, Epaphras labors for them in prayer. He's praying for them that, as Paul says here, he's praying for them that they may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And, and as we pray, and again, let me remind you, you have this access to God in prayer and you can minister through prayer. And I, I hope that you're praying for us and, and we're praying for you. But as we look at our world and as we look at our nation in particular, and we see all of the the strife and the trouble and the contention and the perplexity because it's a perplexing thing. Uh, how is this ever gonna get solved? Well, prayer. Prayer is the, it's the weapon that we have as the people of God. And we need to recognize the privilege of it. We need to recognize the power of it. And like Epaphras, we need to be zealous in prayer. And he says that he was zealous in prayer for the Colossians and not just the Colossians, but Laodicea, which was a city that was nearby and Hierapolis where there were fellowships there. He has that same zeal for them. So then verse 14, we move on to another familiar name. 
And that is Luke, the beloved physician, Luke. Now we know Luke because we have the third gospel is the gospel according to Luke. And yes, it is the same person. He is the author of the gospel according to Luke. And he is also the author of the book of Acts. And we know that Luke was a physician. We know that he was a Greek. We know that he joined Paul about the time that Paul came into Macedonia because in the historical account in Acts, it's all in the second and third person recording it. And then there's a certain point where it's suddenly in the first person, the writer is included in the journey and we went too. And so that's Luke. And so Luke was a partner in the ministry with Paul. He was a beloved physician. And so because Paul refers to him in that way, he probably used that medical know-how and that gifting and ability that he had medically. He probably ministered to Paul and to the other team. And so he was, that was part of his contribution, the beloved physician. But you know, if you, if you think about it for a second, and just go off on Luke here for a moment, but you know, so Luke's a trained physician. He's obviously got a good mind, you know, that he's able to research and study and do those things. And, and when you look at Luke and Acts, you find that he is equally a great historian. As a matter of fact, the book of Acts is from a historical standpoint, it is probably the most accurate history from antiquity, from, from the ancient world. And people have marveled, even unbelievers, people who don't believe the Bible to be inspired, they've marveled at the amazing geographical and historical and uh, cultural understanding of Luke that comes out in his gospel. And so, and again, the point that I wanna make here, because we're talking about you know, God using us, different giftings and things. So Luke's a physician by trade, but he's also a minister of the gospel and he is a, he becomes actually a recorder of scripture. He writes down the story of the gospel. And so Luke is there included. And then we have Demas. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Now, anybody who's read through Paul's letters, this is what you will remember. And this is a sad moment because Demas, although here he is part of Paul's team, we know from Paul's letter to Timothy, his second letter, that at a certain point, Demas left him. And Paul wrote, these words concerning Demas, he says, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. And so a very sad situation. We don't know anything more about Demas. That's the last word on him. Did he come back around? We don't know. But here's a man who was part of that inner circle with the apostle Paul. And yet the love for the world drew him away. And we have to always be on our guard. The world is powerful and it can allure us. And even if you're in the inner circle of ministry, you can be tempted and you can be, you can be drawn away by the enticements of the world. So we, we have to always be on our guard 
against these things. You know, having been part of this apostolic team was no guarantee that he was going to be safe from temptation. And obviously he wasn't. And sadly, Demas succumbed to that temptation. So we come now to a woman in this list. And so we read here about this woman, Nymphus. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church that is in her house. Now, I'm reading from the New King James Version and the New King James and the Old King James have Nymphus as, in the, as a male, the church in his house. But all of the other manuscripts read her and I think accurately her because this is a female, this is a name of a female. And, you know, in some, some of the translations, some people were not so sure they wanted to acknowledge women in any role that might look like a leadership role or something like that. I think that was the bias sometimes of the translators. But we have all of these manuscripts that support and, and the name, again, that this was a woman. And so just like we had Lydia in Philippi, So this woman, Nymphus, she has a church in her house. And church in the house was common at that time. Well, churches weren't exclusively in the house, but they were oftentimes in people's houses. And then we come finally, here's the final mention. And we come to verse 17. We come to this this person, Archippus or Archippus. Again, pronunciation is debatable. But here's a word for Archippus. But first, verse 16 says, now when this epistle is read among you, the Colossians, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea and say to Archippus. So it's almost like Paul's gone through all of this and then he remembers Archippus. And he says this, he says, say to him, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Now, we don't know anything about Archippus and we don't know anything about his background. Obviously, he had received a ministry from the Lord, but we don't know if he was just being negligent, if he was being careless, And so this is a word of exhortation, you know, take serious the ministry, Archippus. Or perhaps it wasn't that, perhaps it was discouragement. Perhaps he was feeling discouraged. Perhaps he was wanting to give up. Perhaps he was feeling defeated. We don't know, again, exactly what it was, but Paul, either way, he reminds him that the ministry he received was from the Lord. Now, if he was negligent, the message, the reminder that he had received the ministry from the Lord, that would kind of, you know, snap him out of that negligence. Say, wow, you know, this is, a, this is a work for God. I need to take this seriously. If he was discouraged and feel like giving up or feeling like giving up, then, then it might've been that it was suddenly like, oh yes, God God gave me this. Why am I discouraged? This is a ministry that I received from the Lord. 
And so then through that kind of encouragement, moving ahead to fulfill it. But again, either way, we don't know exactly what it was, but let's just say for all of us, God puts a call on our lives. He gives us things to do and we need to recognize that it's from him. It's actually the Lord who gives his servants task. It's not me as a pastor who gives you a task. It's not some other leader who gives you a task. It's the Lord. He gives us these things to do. As we say, Lord, I'm yours. I want to follow you. I want to be your servant. Now he uses people oftentimes to put us in place, but we need to look beyond the person and recognize, no, this is from the Lord. And so since it's from the Lord, I need to fulfill it, meaning I need to be faithful to it. And so we come to the final word, this salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains. Remember my chains, grace be with you, amen. So a couple of things that I wanna leave us with as we wrap things up. First of all, remember. And so we went through Philippians and then we went through Colossians. It's kind of where we've been for the year up until this point. And in both cases, we've seen and been reminded of this partnership in the gospel, this togetherness for the gospel. And, you know, I believe that the Lord leads us into different places for teaching because he wants to speak things to us at different times. And, and I really believe that God is wanting to speak to us about this whole thing of, of us being together as the people of God serving together. And, and I wanna just give a word of encouragement to those of you that maybe have yet to re-engage with church, coming to church. I wanna encourage you to you know, really pray about that because it's important that we are together. And we don't wanna let fear dominate us. Now, I'm not saying that we should go wild and be crazy and be irresponsible. I don't think we should do that. But I do think we need to have the connection with one another. And that's, that's my point. All for one and one for all. That's what we could say. That's like for the church, all for one. We're all for Christ. And each one of us are for all of God's people. So we're all in it together for Christ. And each of us individually, we're in it together with one another. So everyone has their part to play, their work to do for the kingdom, but we don't do it alone. And we see that again, coming back to what I said originally with Paul, we see that, that even Paul did not do it alone. And even as a church, we cannot do it alone. Remember, the letter is to the church in Colossae, but what does Paul say? share the letter with the Laodiceans. And Epaphras is praying, not just for uh, Colossae, but he's praying for Laodicea. He's praying for Hierapolis. And as a church, we cannot do it alone. We need each other. You know, we live in a county of 3 million people. Uh, we live in a state of, <laughs> we, we have more people in our state than any other state in the union. I think 40 million people or so now. 
And we are not sufficient. We cannot alone impact our city, our county, our state, our nation for the gospel. We have to be in it together. And so I wanna encourage you personally pray and look for those God will knit your hearts with for the gospel. And God will bring people around you and give you a passion and a vision and a cause. And I, I, I just am thinking of a group of people in the church right now who God brought them together around our mission to the UK with uh, our, create, our Creation Fest Festival. And that was their initial sort of bonding. But, you know, they've just become this tight-knit group who are involved in all different kinds of ministry, but they're in it together. They're praying for one another. This is the way God does it. He brings people together around the gospel. And that's the people that we want to be. We want to be the people that are working together for the gospel. And final word, I want to just go back to what I mentioned earlier. Paul says, remember my chains. It's kind of a sober ending there with just that, remember my chains. And, and Paul is not looking for sympathy at all. Paul wasn't that kind of a person, but Paul was looking for solidarity. And he was reminding them again of this whole idea that if one is bound, then we're, we're bound with them. And so Paul, Aristarchus, and Epaphras were all in chains for the gospel. So the author and then two others in this list here, they were imprisoned for the gospel. It's a sobering reminder. It's a sobering reminder that gospel work can be dangerous work and at times can only be advanced through sacrifice and suffering. You see, it was through Paul's suffering in the prison that the gospel was actually advancing. Remember, he had said to the Ephesians that he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of the Gentiles. And so the, just the idea of imprisonment, the idea of suffering for the gospel's sake, that is relatively foreign to so many of us in the West and in the United States. But this is the norm this, has been, this was the norm in the New Testament period. It's been the norm historically for the church. And it might become the norm even for North Americans in the not too distant future. But we have to remember that even though it's dangerous, can be dangerous, it's, it's worth the risk. Even though it calls for sacrifice, it's worth the cost. And so for us, let's go forward together for the gospel, whatever the risk, whatever the cost, and remembering that the gospel is even available to us because Jesus, he faced the danger and he went to the cross. He sacrificed everything. He paid uh, the ultimate price, but he did that for us. And so God help us to do that for one another with, with him as our model.
to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Basic Christianity by John Stott. In our increasingly global culture, issues of social justice are frequently headlined in all the major news outlets. But one universal topic is just as frequently avoided, the universal ramifications of the unpopular subject, sin. Sin has enslaved all humanity, and the imagery of slavery appropriately captures the effects that sin has upon all of us. It destroys relationships, families, societies, and nations. Sin affects every social structure within our global culture, and the Bible only gives one hope for the abolition of the consequences of sin. And John Stott presents this hope clearly in this month's resource. If you have recognized the consequences of sin in your own life and are longing for freedom from both its grasp and its consequences, or if you know somebody who has, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Basic Christianity by John Stott is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we begin a new series in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.